It's Bronze and Modern Gods. I'm John, and coming to us from an undisclosed location <laughs> where he's being held hostage, it's Richard. Hi, Richard. They're treating me really well. <laughs> oh, man, what, is, what is this? We're we're re remodeling the basement where my collection is, where uh -huh. I normally normally record from. So <laughs> the books are off the walls, and oh, we're, we're going to start man. painting. So I'm here temporarily at my my desk up here. So. All right. Well, you know what? We're going to bring it to you anyway. We've got Hot Book of the Week, Underrated Books of the Week, and our main topic, talking about underrated, are underrated X-Men keys. We're going to send you out on a little fact-finding mission here, or a little book-finding mission, I think. Uh, but before we get going, Richard, I'm going to show something. Oh, show, show and tell. I love show and tell. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yellow, Yellow Claw number one, 6.0 off-white pages. I uh, I went for it. I saw it on eBay, and I thought, I know I just got a three point five, but this is this is a six point oh. <laughs> yeah, and you could still sell the six point, you know, three point five to fund the six point oh. Yeah, anybody want a three point five yellow claw number <laughs> one? Uh, hit your boy up. You know where to find me, and that's at Bronze and Modern Gods on Facebook and Instagram. Bar Bronze and Modern Gods dot com. Yeah. yeah. I'm so happy for you. I know that's a that's a big key for you, and you can cross it off your list for 2021. Until a 7.0 shows up, and then <laughs> go for that. All right, Richard, why don't you start us off with our hot book of the week? Our hot book this week is Venom number 200. It's the, weird to say Venom 200. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, if you look it up, it still says Venom 35. It's this, yeah. is, this is 200 in the legacy numbering scheme, which Marvel likes to hide behind the covers. Uh, and it's this is the the big thing about this book. This is Donny Cates farewell to the Venom series. This is his last book in the series. Now, did he just write the 35 issues of the new series? Is that it? I mean, I, I realize it's three years worth of stuff. But back in the day, people had a decade long yeah. run in comics. Yeah, Claremont was on the X-Men for, what, 16 years? Yeah. Oh, you did almost three years. Bye, Donnie. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> uh, but it's a big it's a big farewell because, you know, Donnie, uh, uh, he drove the whole null uh, phenomenon that really revitalized the Petered series. out. <laughs> yeah, it kind of petered out. But, you know, you know, back in the day, it was it was a hot it's a hot book. And, you know. It's it's an important milestone, in my opinion. It's reflected in how they approached Venom 200. First of all, uh, we were trying to count the variant covers, and we gave up. So Richard went to CoverPrice.com. They have 42 variant covers for this listed. Um, let's just say you can get them all at, at cover price, right? It's $9.99 cover price on this bad boy. So if you just wanted one of each cover, you're looking at $420 with no store discount. Uh, despite of or maybe because of the sheer number of variant covers, most of these are hanging around for cover price or even less. Go on eBay. Uh, people are selling these for $7.99. Yeah, this is, this is common though. You know, they, they put out a lot of store variants, but only some books actually percolate to the top of the, the pile. Usually their ratio variants are very popular in artists doing store variants. I've got three of them listed here. The J. Scott Campbell, a one in 50 variant is selling for about 40 bucks, which is not too shabby. There is a one in 200 virgin variant that's doing well. And as always with this book, there is a one in 100 Stegman virgin variant. 
Some things never change. Uh, and I don't know what's next for Venom. I, I don't want to say what happens in this. There is a bit of a spoiler. Are they rebooting it? Are they going on with issue 36 or 201? I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's going to continue. The movie is is pending. Yeah. So they're going to want the series to run while the movie runs. So someone's picking up the mantle that Donnie is putting down. But what direction they're going to go in, that's a good question. What do you guys think? Let us know in the comments. Uh, you know, Venom is a roller coaster when it comes to collectability. It's it's hot. It's cold. It's hot. It's cold. Uh-oh. Richard just lost the light in a hostage situation. I hope you're okay over there. Yeah, it's fine. My, my makeshift light decided they didn't want to hang around. <laughs> oh, everyone pray for Richard. Uh, why don't we go on to our main topic, our top five underrated X-Men keys. And Richard, why don't you start us off there? I'm going to start off with uh, a book that when I was thinking about top five keys, I was thinking about, okay, what characters – have I not heard about recently and what would make good MCU candidates yeah, and, kind of went the same way. Mm -hmm. And forge is what was one of my favorite characters from the, the mid eighties. Um, he, his first appearances in X-Men uncanny X-Men number 184 back in 1984 forge is a mutant. His mutant ability is a innate understanding of technology and basically being able to build anything that he can conceive of i'm shifting uh, because like his mutant power is he's really smart <laughs> yeah he's super smart uh i'd love to have him and tony stark in a room together in the contest to see who's yeah right <laughs> yeah maybe tony's a mutant <laughs> uh forge was a member of the x-men he was a member of vec force he was uh a member of um xavier's underground he he, he his character permeates throughout the history of the X series. And uh, most people think, you know, when you think of valuable keys, at least for me, maybe, maybe this is some secret that I've uncovered here. But when I think of valuable X-Men keys, I think of 94 through 142, the end yeah. of, you know, it's the cornerstones. Yeah. Right. Right. Claremont's right. Claremont to me is the pinnacle of X-Men um, writing. So that's, that's what I think. So the, the ones that came after, um, came after 142 they i've i've i always put in a different tier yeah. in terms of uh of value and that was looking at this book um you know forge like i said forge has a lot of play in the the uh x-men universe and if the x-men are coming to the mcu there's a good potential you know he had a romantic involvement with storm he had a romantic involvement with, with mystique uh, he's a Native American. If they want to play the diversity route, there's a lot of different things they can do to bring him in. But what was more interesting, when I started digging into the GPA and the census values for this book, uh, I found some surprising values. The, mm -hmm. the GPA uh, for this book, the 90-day, well, let's start with the value in, in 2020, uh, which was $107. Right. The, the 20, uh, 2021, the value is averaging about $155. The 90 day is $267. And finally, the last sale, which was back in May for a 9.8, was $350. Nutty. Yeah, this are really respectable numbers from, you know, from a, a book when I consider to be, you know, a middle run kind of second tier book. But uh, comic shops are packed with all that John Romita Jr. run. I, I know. And that's that's the thing. I, I actually went on eBay and there are a 
There are a number of these books available for anywhere from $15 to $40 uh, raw. There is a Canadian price variant for this book. Uh, the Canadian price variant goes for some good money. So if, if you happen to find that, that's that's definitely something to invest in. But yeah, this book, uh, and all, there's also a newsstand version of this book too, if, if you are a favor newsstands. But yeah, this is a good book uh, to pick up. I know it's in long boxes. I know it's out there. I have seen it out there. Just people have, like me, who are, I, I think, savvy collectors, um, may put it in that second tier and pass it by to buy the, you know, the 129s and the 133s and the 101s and, you know, all that all those Claremont books. Pick these up. So when you're digging through long boxes, look for this book. I think it's a good buy. I think people pass it up because it doesn't have a cover like, you know, the introducing the amazing forge and he's bursting out. It's got Celine, the Black Queen, on the cover fighting Professor X, uh, which, you know, is you know, a standard John Romita Jr. era type cover. It doesn't really yeah. it doesn't really announce, hey, important first appearance here. But it's a great segue into my first book, which is New Mutants number nine, the first appearance of Celine, the Black Queen. The oldest known human mutant, apparently. She's only 17,000 years old. She's looking good for that. Uh, she later becomes a central part of the Hellfire Club. But here is her start in this little, you know, under-heralded uh, spinoff book in uh, what Nova Roma is what it was called. And she's kind of hiding out. She's in disguise. But, uh, you know, it's it's she's a pretty popular character when you think of the, the hellfire club you always think of the black queen and the white queen and the emma and all those that whole crew and a little more affordable than x-men 129 the gpa <laughs> uh on this one for a 9.8 is 100 bucks she was in the dark phoenix movie uh, did you see it no i did not i Me purposely, purposely <laughs> did not <laughs> Uh, you know, when I, but when I think of Black Queen, I think of Phoenix. You know, I think of uh, yeah. you know Jean Grey. But that's just me. Uh, she, she may be well. They had to replace Jean. You know, uh, so Celine's the. She's like, uh, oh wow, what was what was uh, what was um, bewitched Samantha's cousin that was like the uh, <laughs> the oh, dark, yeah. dark Serena Serena. Uh, she's like the Serena of the Marvel Universe. We may see her in the MCU yeah. when they bring the X Men. They do the Hellfire Club. You know, yeah. she, she's the uh, second string, but she's there. So seventeen thousand years. Is that older than Apocalypse? Okay. Uh, that's the that's the debate. Is who's older, Celine and Apo or Apocalypse? I saw that several times when I was googling her today. So I don't know if there's a firm answer. Any of you guys know? Let us know in the comments. Yeah, uh, please, please do. Is speaking of black magic, Richard. <laughs> My next pick is Magic Number One. Uh, hey. The, hey, the limited series. This is. The uh, first solo series, it's a, it's a four issues uh, a limited run of Ileana Rasputin, better known as Magic. This, this particular storyline took her from a six-year-old child to a 13-year-old mutant sorceress uh, in basically a blink in the eye. The entire limited series takes place in a matter of seconds uh, in, in real time. Kind of like the Michael Jackson story. Yeah, kind of, just like that. He missed his childhood. <laughs> he became a mutant sorceress at 13. Uh, sadly replicable, isn't it? I know, weird. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Magic, uh, Magic, Our her first appearance was in GSX number one as a baby. 
Yes. And she's, she's by the, I always love that. She's like by this giant combine thresher. Like the, uh, <laughs> she's like running around playing like, la, la, la. Yeah. I guess Russia is a dangerous place. Um, and uh, her, her first appearance as an adolescent was in X-Men number 160, which has some significant value. Uh, she, she's a really popular character. Uh, when back when back in this particular uh, series was was made, uh, she became uh, she was transported to a a kind of an alternate universe by Belasco, a, a demon, uh, for the purpose of overthrowing the universe. Blah blah blah. You know. Um, yeah. And you know she was accompanied by uh, alternative versions of the X Men, Storm and um, Shadow Cat, and a variety of other uh, X Men characters who are good or evil based on you know the storylines and it's an interesting story it's a good story uh, but i think the most important thing that comes out of this is the um when she arrives as that that adolescent mm-hmm. um she is she has been drawn with a real anime feel to it with a, this giant sword and you know these these wings this, this this outfit with black wings coming out of her hair it's it's a very very anime type of look and feel and it's really really resonated with people i think she's really become very popular because of that the value of this book uh has been going up the gpa for a 9.8 is 130 dollars, which i think is really respectable for one of these 80s limited series uh there's a canadian price variant that goes for 300 yeah but you could still buy this this is another one of the dollar bin finds you can buy i just this you know past month bought one through three for two dollars a piece uh, out of a long box it's really easy to find uh, just like the long shot limited series it's easy to come by but getting those 9.8s is, is a bit difficult and if you can get them you can get some good money out of your investment yeah heavily heavily ordered by retailers i don't think the sales match the orders back in the day so this was a dollar bin uh fine for quite a while so high grade is tough on this one Oh, good pick. Uh, my next one is a bit of a curveball. It is Spider-Man and his amazing friends, number one. I, I know. I had to take a look at it for what? <laughs> and then I realized the reference. Okay. This ahead. is actually the first appearance of Firestar in comics. Now, her first in-continuity in the Marvel Universe appearance is in Uncanny X-Men 193, which was my original pick. And then I thought, you know, if I'm going to go first appearance, let's go true first appearance. And that is Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Number one, again, it's uh, based on the cartoon from the 80s. A very well-loved character Uh from the cartoon. Everybody loves Angelica Jones. Nobody nobody hates Angelica Jones. You've got to be some sort of psychopath if you hate Angelica (laughs) Jones. What's wrong with you? Um, she also had a long run as a member of the new warriors, which I love that book. I, you know, the first 50 issues, uh, after that, oh, it was okay. It was okay. But here's the shocker 90 day average for 9.8 of this book, $694. Yeah. There was last year, there was some rumors about her coming to the MCU. That would happen. Yeah. As a character and, and the value of her keys went up. One of my favorite of her keys is Young Allies number six, the variant one in ten. I believe it's one in ten or one in twenty-five by Art Adams. Yeah, a uh, gorgeous cover, uh, and it's it shot up in value as well. So yeah, there was there were rumors, and I don't know if they're still uh, even um, valid. 
But uh, this is 90 day average. It's still selling for almost $700. Now, I think it's because of that for sure. I also think it's because this was a kid's book yet again. Uh, almost, I'm surprised they didn't make it a star comics release, uh, frankly, because it was in that that era, that time, maybe a little bit before it's 1981. So uh, high grade doesn't exist. Nobody cared about this book. Quarter bin, dollar bin, whatever you want to call it, bopping around for years. So find a 9.8. I dare you. Uh, tough one. I still think it's underrated, though, even though it's seven hundred dollars. Can you have an, an underrated book that's seven hundred dollars? <laughs> but you know, this this is the, the whole thing where you know it's seven hundred dollars because somebody found a, a nine point eight candidate, right? Yeah. There yeah. are tons of books out there that are potential nine point eight candidates for five bucks. Go get so them. Go get them. Go find it. I'm sure they're still out there. Bring me one. Thank you. Uh, I'll give you five bucks. Uh, my last one is one that I'm shocked still has not caught on. Uh, and it is New Mutants 86, not 87, not 98, 86. This is the first cameo appearance of Cable. And uh, why not? We'll throw in a cameo of Strife and the Mutant Liberation Front as well. It's also the first Rob Liefeld art on the New Mutants book. And this sells a 9.8 for 128 bucks. What? That's it? Wow. I'm, I'm shocked, right? Right. Plenty of room for this one to grow because just look at Incredible Hulk 180. Is that the first appearance of the Hulk or is it a cameo of the Hulk? God, don't, don't go down that. that, that <laughs> first appearance of Cable or is this a cameo of Cable? Apparently it's a cameo. You know, you guys make your rules when it suits you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Cable is Cable is an important character in the, uh, the, the mutant universe. Um, Josh Brolin. Yeah. I I am surprised too that this has not seen more action. That I mean, it's under the first appearance of Forge, right? <laughs> so you think about it that way. It's it cables on that sexy cover for eighty-seven. You know, that's yeah. a rip of Avengers one forty. By the way, I don't know why nobody points that out. Uh, it's completely traced. But oh, Rob, you trace something? In fact, this cover for eighty-six is traced from Amazing Spider-Man number two with the Vulture. <laughs> oh. But you know, it's an homage, not tracing. Sorry, my bad. Oh, uh, you went there. I love Rob, uh, sort of. So, New Mutants '86. I think a lot of room to grow on this one. Uh, lots of room to grow. Yep, I agree. I agree. Uh, these, you know, cameos, second appearances are the books that are really going to see. I think uh, they're, you know, as the first appearance goes up, these other books that. Uh, are in the same war, but are also going to increase in value. Second appearances are the new first appearances, I'm telling you. All right, we've got X-Men all over the place. Why not continue with more X-Men in the 25-year rule? <laughs> yeah. Hey, since I have that TARDIS, maybe I can go back in time and save you from your, uh, your captors. Uh, yes, yes, you know. I'm getting tired of bread and water. Uh, all right. 25 year rule this week. Uh, a good one. Uh, X-Men 54 from 1996. This is when Onslaught is finally revealed to be Professor X. What's interesting about this issue is lots of rumors about Onslaught. I don't know where this is coming from, that he's coming to the MCU. Why would you start there? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't put a lot of credence behind this, but people are pe folk, people are saying, which is a popular thing to say when you want something to happen, <laughs> other people are saying uh, 
there are three versions of this book. There's a director version. There is a newsstand version, which I've never seen. And there is a special collector's edition of 7,500 that has lightning foil and came with a Marvel certificate of authenticity. I, this has to be Heroes World at this time. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, that's, that is really cool. They did their own exclusive, apparently. And a GPA for a 9.8 of the special edition is 200 bucks. So if Onslaught is something and you bought this for 200 bucks now and there's only 7,500 of them, you might be uh, buying that new mansion in Bel Air. Yeah, but Onslaught, really? I mean, if he does appear, there's so many other characters that oh, yeah. have to appear to set up the situation that um, I, I I just don't see it any time in the next seven, eight years. He is absolutely the seven pin when you're trying to bowl for a strike. <laughs> right, exactly. He's the last one that's going to fall, and you're going to have to hope that you maybe you hit it hard enough. Uh, yeah, I just made a bowling reference. I'm from Northeast Ohio. All right, it is time for our underrated books of the week. Richard, kick us off. Yeah, Mike, okay. I want everybody to hold still. <laughs> my, my, my underrated book has a print run of 1.7 million. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Go on. Uh, it is spawn number one. The All right, now. <laughs> the direct edition. This is another case of a book that has been derided for years and years. Let me join in. <laughs> uh, but recently, uh, you know, Todd McFarlane has announced Spawn Universe, where he's expanding the Spawn um, character. Uh, you know, he's expanding the Spawn, Spawn world to include all these other characters mm -hmm. and all these titles. And there's a lot of excitement about um, Spawn Universe. Apparently, it's one of the best-selling um image books in the history of image yeah. so so it's 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 got he's got a lot of energy behind uh this book uh and so that that makes you it's bringing people nostalgic to the original spawn back from 1992 which is everywhere i remember seeing you're flipping through 25 copies of spawn number one uh in the long box and it's they're, they're just everywhere but again there's that 9.8 frenzy where the 9.8 uh, versions of this book has a GPA for the last 90 days of $250. <sighs> the last sale was 300. Okay, but that that's not even the most shocking part. Uh, periodically, uh, Todd McFarland does signings with GB, uh, with CGC, and they're always popular. His signature is $150. If I remember the last time that he did it, they like. Kind of a steal for Todd McFarlane. Yeah, and they live stream the whole thing. I've never seen them do that before. They live stream the, the the signing process. He answered questions. He joked around. It was a whole event. Well, the 9.8 signed by Todd McFarlane, the GPA for that is $800. Mm. <laughs> uh, there's also a newsstand out there that's going for $1,000. Uh, and signed by, by Todd, $1,200 hundred dollars so mm. there is it just there, there it seems to be a renewed interest in this book there, there's no shortage of it there's seventeen thousand nine hundred on the census of which 9500 or 9.8s so there's not even remotely a shortage of these books why are you calling it underrated <laughs> because i think people people have an opportunity in the next few months 
to go out to long boxes to, oh, okay. to find copies of this book that people just don't care about. They'll sell them at a dollar a piece, a quarter a piece, whatever, because they're not scarce. And if you find, if you buy a, a you know 10 of these and two of them end up being 9.8 candidates, you have potentially $600 for your uh, for your investment. If they're new stands, you may have a thousand, two thousand dollars investment. So it's, this is this is kind of a call out for people who may not be aware of the renewed interest in spawn number one. Go out. I, I, I send you forth and go, go through the log boxes in your community. I will guarantee you, you will find some copies of this book. There is something to this because I know I'm being snarky. Uh, number one, number one, you, you get dealers that bought too many of them and they try to blow them out. But I will say from the time it came out in 92, it's never really sold for undercover price. It's always been a $5 book in the bins, you know, or yeah. someone will slap it on a wall for seven bucks or something. It's never really lost unless someone really just went whole hog on it and threw a whole bunch in their dollar bins, which I have seen as well. It extends beyond number one. I, I have a stack of, I somehow I got, not somehow I won them in an auction. I won 43 copies of number eight in an auction and I sell them on the regular for 10 bucks a whack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's spawn, you know, Todd made an enduring character with when he, when he created him and this, this is his first appearance in this book besides Malibu Sun number one. Um, but this is his first title. And I, like you say, I don't think there's ever going to be a period of time where there is no interest in this book. I think right now, just like a year ago with Secret Wars number one, when it was a $20 book all day long, and now you get it graded, it's an $800 book. Yeah. Uh, this is an opportunity with Spawn number one find those 9.8 candidates because they are out there. If, if you pay five bucks, if you pay 20 bucks, it's definitely out there. If you find a new stand, definitely oh. pick it up. Because Even if it's not 9.8, this is scarce. They are scarce. Yeah. So yeah, this is just, this is kind of a, a warning to those people who may have just normally pass them by as I would normally do. Uh, there is some value in there and there's people who want those 9.8s for their wall or for their collection and uh, take advantage of it while you can. I just see you in your in your hostage video there saying, this is a warning. <laughs> <laughs> well, controversial as always, Richard. I love it. Tell us what you guys think down below. Uh, my pick is a little more pedestrian. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> sorry. Not as, hey, uh, you got to stir the pot every now and then. Yeah, remember how I just said second appearances are the new first appearances? Mm -hmm. How about the second appearance of Alpha Flight in Machine Man number 18? What? Actually, it's just North Star, Aurora, and Sasquatch, but it technically counts as the second appearance of Alpha Flight. It takes place concurrently with Uncanny X-Men 140, where you've got the rest of the team there in Canada handling uh, the Wendigo. And here you've got the rest of the team going to the States to beat up Machine Man for some convoluted reason. I forget what the reason is. He's, a senator set him up. Uh, I don't know why it affected Canada. Blame Canada. Uh, 
there's not enough sales data on this for a 9.8 sales trend, which is interesting, but 9.6s are selling and they're trending around $90 all of a sudden. So someone's picking up on this. Uh, under-ordered book, uh, it was on its last legs. It was a bi-monthly. The, the uh, less than exciting Steve Ditko art, you know, in his low point really as an artist, this is the second to last issue of Machine Man. I find it really interesting that, Burn or Claremont or whoever was calling the shots back then would allow Alpha Flight to be used to prop up this failing book. It was like a last ditch effort to get people excited about this Machine Man title. And it just shows how instantly popular Alpha Flight was that, you know, they could be used to help a book that was in its third year, basically. Uh, yeah, Machine Man is interesting. Uh, you've got basically three keys. The first issue, this issue, and the last issue, which is the first appearance of the Jackal Lantern, which actually sells for some big coin in 9.8. But Machine Man 18, again, uh, a book you can find for about five bucks, ten bucks if you're looking for a super high grade. Get it slabbed, wait for Alpha Flight to make an appearance somewhere, and, and, and you know, then you can put in a third pool on that mansion in Belgium. <laughs> All right, so first, so first cameo was X Men 120. Right. First appearance 121. Right. So they waited another 20 issues before they put Alpha Flight in the title again. You, Sasquatch was in an Incredible Hulk annual, so he made an appearance. Vindicator was in something else. I, I, I think he was in Fantastic Four, so Vindicator made an appearance. So they were spare, using them sparingly, which was weird because they were so popular right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know what Tom DeFalco, who was the writer of Machine Man, I don't know what his thing was with Alpha Flight because he got to use them here. And then he got to use them almost immediately in Marvel 2-in-1 a couple months later. So I don't know if like Tom DeFalco was trying to grab onto Alpha <laughs> Flight because nobody else was. And then John Burns said, hey, it's mine. Stop. Step off, Tommy. Yeah, and there's heat. Like there's heat now with Alpha Flight. There's rumors about it. Um, Marvel. I, I I never think Marvel does something just to do it. They did a facsimile copy for uh, Alpha Flight number one, which to me signals <laughs> some intent. But no reason to have a facsimile copy of that book that has a billion. <laughs> I have no idea why. It's like making a fantastic or a facsimile of like New Mutants number one. You know. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But they did. I mean, they went to the effort to do it. You know, they did X-Men. Machine Man 18. People don't have that. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a great, this is a great pick. I, I, I think there are some plans for, um, for Alpha Flight. It's a perfect storm. You know, we've got my marvelous concern about diversity, and you've got this Canadian team with a bunch of Native Americans on it. Uh, you've got the first uh, gay character with, with uh, North Star. So There's a Alpha Flight book that starts in a couple of weeks, I think. Which is, is there? Yeah, yeah, a new Gamma Flight series. I think it's a mini series. Oh, Gamma Flight. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I'm going to have to pick that up. So, yeah. So, people are into it. I'm great. Uh, but Machine Man 18, go grab it. That's mm -hmm. going to do it for us this week, right, Richard? That's it. All right. Where can people find us? They can find they can find us on, on Instagram and Facebook at Bronze and Modern Gods, or they can find us on the website at bronzeandmoderngods.com. Check it out. We will see you later this week with a bonus episode. Everybody have fun. Everybody stay safe.